Hi, I'm Charles Feldman. And my name is Ela Edgar, and we're here for Trust on Purpose. And today we want to talk about the effect of implicit promises that leaders make, that is, promises that others may hold beholding them to, that they may not even know they've made because it hasn't been discussed openly, but that can have a huge bearing on trust, either when they're fulfilled as promises or when they're not fulfilled, when the leader does not do what the employee is expecting of them. And I think both you and I, Ela, we've coached leaders who have been in this position of suddenly finding themselves scratching their heads about the behavior of their employees. Why does this person seem to not trust me? Or why does this person not doing what I'm asking? Whatever it is that leads them to think there's a breakdown, but they don't know what the source of that breakdown is. So I think what we're going to do here is talk about some that we've seen happen over and over again. The leader is not necessarily aware that their employees or their team members have this expectation and it trips them up. Or alternately, it can really build trust when they do, even though they're not aware of it, fulfill that particular promise if they didn't know they made or that they didn't know others were holding them to. There are a couple or three that we just like to start with as examples, and then we'll come back to this later, but we would also invite you as our listeners to think about what promises you think leaders make, even though they haven't actually spoken them and you haven't actually requested it of them. Mm -hmm. So we'll come back to that towards the end. But let's start with our list of a few that we think we've seen a lot of. Which one stands out for you the most of the four we picked? Well, there is one, but I'm going to pause that one because I will probably speak very passionately about that one. I think as a starting point, a couple that we picked out are being respectful and being supportive. Yeah, both. Both so incredibly important. And yet, as I say those words out loud, are so incredibly subjective. What the hell does being respectful mean? What does supportive mean? I'm going to hover on respectful for a moment and think about my relationship or my interpretation of being respectful versus what someone else's might be. Yeah. So I may choose not to say things because I don't want to be assessed as being disrespectful, whereas other people might say things very openly so that in, in their interpretation, that is being respectful. So right there, we've already got a chasm that can be like, oh, right. I assess you to be not very respectful. How dare you do that? Yes. And so being respectful is respecting. It's a verb in that sense. Mm -hmm. Respecting what? What is it that I'm expecting you to be respecting of when we interact? And yeah, there's a whole bunch of conversations that can happen around that. What does that mean? What does that look like? How would I know that you think I'm being respectful or alternately not respecting you? Right. I think of even I live by a clock and a calendar. That's how I like to organize my life. And I absolutely have made assessments of others. Actually, at an event I was at yesterday, people showed up like half an hour after the event started. And in my mind, I made an assessment that that was disrespectful. How could you show up half an hour late? So what is 
respectful mean? What are we respecting? And what are those behaviors that help us clarify, you know, Brene Brown again, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. What does that mean? Yeah, no kidding. And so there's the attribute, we could say, or the way of being that the word respectful kind of fits in or describes. And yet what we're really talking about is it describes a collection of behaviors that we're expecting of a leader. I certainly have had clients that I've worked with tell me, well, my, my leader is really disrespectful sometimes of X or Y or Z. My time, my opinion, don't even listen to me. They cut me off. They talk all the time. Never let me get a word in edgewise about anything. All kinds of behaviors that I've heard from clients about their leaders that the assessment in one word is disrespectful. And it's an implicit promise. The person who's making the assessment, my leader is not respecting me. They haven't had that conversation. So the leader has no idea that this person is holding them accountable to the set of behaviors mm-hmm. that they're not actually enacting. Yeah. So it was really interesting at this event yesterday again, one of the speakers said, you know, with clients returning back to work and the downtown core is getting busier and I'm walking through downtown to go to meetings and I bump into people I haven't seen for so long. And so I stop and have a conversation with them. That makes me late. So if you're my client, I'm just letting you know I might be late because I'm stopping to have conversations with people I haven't seen for a long time. And again, immediately I went to, wow, that's really disrespectful. Like, wow, whatever we hear, we're making assessments all the time. Respectful, not respectful. I like that. I don't like that. And so it's so important. What are these behaviors? And we've said this probably every single podcast we've done together the importance of the conversations. So how do we make this more clear, more kind, less subjective? Yes. And one of the important reasons for that is that when I have an assessment that my leader is not fulfilling a promise that is implicit for me and that the leader may not even know that they've made because it's implicit, that damages trust. Immediately, I start distrusting them, distrusting that they care about me, perhaps distrusting they're sincere or even competent or reliable. And yet, how can that person know unless there's that conversation or maybe even series of conversations, which interestingly, of course, is this is not the kind of conversation that most people have in the workplace. They're keen to get onto the conversations about how do we get this done? Mm-hmm. What's the work and how do we get it done? And we can go along with that for a while, but at some point there may be a breakdown. There's a cost to not having those conversations and that cost is perhaps a big breakdown. I'm looking at the second word that we chose and being supportive. So the same thing is what does being supportive mean? What does that look like? There's someone that I'm coaching right now who would like to do some professional development and went and spoke to their leader. This organization is very supportive of development. 
I know lots of examples of how they've shown support. People have gone to take certifications and courses. And this particular person was declined. And she doesn't understand why. There's no transparency. So she had assumed support because the organization does this. I have lots of examples how this has happened. And so she feels that she's not being supported and now has actually been down the path about maybe this isn't the organization for me. Yeah. Lack of trust. There was an assumption that support looked a certain way and there's, you know, for good reason. Yep. Here's all the examples, all the data points. Yeah. And it's not there. And there may be a good reason, but clearly part of supporting someone is being open about why I'm not going to do this or why I'm not going to give you this particular support that you're looking for right now. Yeah. And is it a plausible explanation, right? Is it a sincere explanation? Can I believe it? Right. Or is it just that it's a whim of yours and you don't like that? Whatever. Right. So again, another example of what we might call a way of being or an attribute of a leader that they might not even know they're promising. They don't know that they're promising to be supportive in certain ways. There's also, though, I think, so there's, you know, the way leaders are, their way of being, and those assessments around that. There are also, though, a couple of examples we could come up with that are very specifically around behaviors, things that a leader might do that are kind of bounded around it. They're not just a kind of general attribute, but they're very specific. And one that we talked about and we've seen lots of times is directly related to the supportive thing that leaders mentor and develop and teach employees. So as an employee in this organization, especially if I'm new, but even if I'm not new, I might have been in the organization for a while. I might even have worked for this particular leader for a while. And I have an assumption that they're going to help me learn, to mentor me, to help me develop. This is, in fact, a direct extension of supportive, right? Yeah. Support me in my development. And yet the leader may not know what that expectation is or that it's even there. Well, you just, you work for me. You do the work. Yeah. And you figure out how to develop yourself. You figure out what you need to learn. Or even maybe from a leader's perspective, you figure out what you need and come and ask. Whereas the assumption on the employee's part is the leader will come to me and tell me or help me or ask me what support I need. Even that simple little misstep or miscommunication, again, can lead to a lot of distrust. Mm -hmm. And I think the inconsistency, so I'm thinking of a particular organization that I work with in the area of developing and mentoring and teaching, some people are tapped on the shoulder to say, we have our eye on you to go to this position next. So there's clear communication, there's transparency. The person knows kind of this is the path that I'm being developed for. I support that. I agree with that. I'm willing, able, and ready. Same organization under a different leader is left to figure it out on their own. And has assessments about, well, people that I work with, I know are getting tapped and their leaders are telling them, this is what we see for you. 
let's design this together. Whereas I'm like, I have to figure it out on my own. And it's a massive organization. So there's lots of career paths that could happen. And so even that inconsistency causes some confusion, let down, unspoken promises that the employee thinks, I see it over here. Why isn't it happening with me too? So there's assessments about, well, maybe my leader doesn't care. Yeah. Maybe I'm not worth developing. Maybe that's why nobody's talking to me. Yeah. Those are terrible things to feel. And in fact, I've been in a coaching situation where I was coaching a leader and someone else was coaching one of the people who reported to that leader. And we both agreed, all four of us, I should say, agreed that the two coaches could talk to each other a little bit about stuff. And at some point it came out that the leader I was coaching was really excited about moving their employee up because mm -hmm. he thought that she had tremendous potential, but was not saying anything to her about this. Just what you described just now was not telling her that that was kind of what was the plan in his mind. So she, in the absence of data, data. was making up a story that she was not valued. She was not getting any feedback and that she was starting to look for another job, another company. She'd gotten an offer and she was kind of a little ways down the road with that before me and the other coach, her coach, talked. And then we realized this was going on. And so we were able to head off what would have been a really tragic situation. Yeah, having those conversations. Her unspoken assumption that her leader was going to give her a lot of feedback about that kind of thing. Mm. And her leader's assumption was that she should know this, you know, she should know that she's really good and that I really value her. And yeah, another miscommunication, another missed conversation. And I think it ties really closely into the other one that we identified as having regular check-ins with your staff, with your team. Yeah. And this one makes me mental. There's lots of lovely leaders out there that still believe that no news is good news. If I'm not checking in with you regularly, it's because you're doing great. I have no issues. Go forth and be who you are. I support you. But not taking the time to spend in one-on-one -on -one conversation or Actually, that's the other thing that there's an organization I work with right now. And they're like, well, we do a 15-minute stand-up as a team every morning. Oh, okay. That's great. Are you also having one-on-one -on -one conversations? Well, no, we don't need to because we talk every day. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And what do you talk about? <laughs> as I scratch my head. Okay. So what if someone on your team actually had something they wanted to talk to you about without the rest of the team? Oh, well, then they can just come to me. Okay. And are they? And that was the question that got him. Mm -hmm. They never come and knock on my door. No. Ergo, they must not have any issues or problems. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. I think this is, again, one that just is, I expect, I want my leader to care about me, my work, my challenges, my barriers, my dreams, my wishes, my everything. Now, we may not get to that as often as I like. But I know that at some point, 
I have space and time that's just for you and I to speak. Yeah. So I'm, again, thinking of one client who can stand in for many, many others. He was at the, I guess, VP level. He reported to a senior VP and he hadn't had a, well, they would have one-on-ones about once a month. They were supposed to have one-on-ones weekly, but yeah, the senior VP just didn't show up for their oh. their weekly one. So it averaged out my clients and about once a month, sometimes a couple of months would go by. And then when they did, of course, the leader had a whole list of things that he wanted to talk about that had to do with, you know, work. And my client had a bunch of things that he had to. And so the leader went first, the senior VP went first, and they often wouldn't even get through the senior VP's list, let alone to the practical task-oriented things that my client, the VP, wanted to talk about. And they never, ever got to anything that even began to smack of relationship-building conversation. What do we need to know about how each other even works together? Are there complaints? Are there concerns? Are there things that either one of them should know about each other that would minimize breakdowns in their communication with each other? As I say, this is one client that could stand in for many, 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 you know, quite a number of them. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, my client had the assumption at first, you know, it's like, okay, busy person, busy place, we're all busy, you know, I can forgive this. But after a while, it really eroded my client's trust that his senior VP cared much at all about him, that there's no trust of care there. There's no trust also of reliability because there was supposed to be a weekly check-in that almost never happened. And at times he would even go to the, his boss's office because it was on the calendar and no one had said, hey, you know what? I don't have the time today. So he'd go to the boss's office, which, you know, wasn't a long distance to walk, but he took the time and was prepared, had his list, and no one there. I, th- I think I would have been writing my resignation letter after that happened once. I, I ha- oh my gosh, I feel awful for that person. What a horrible thing to be on the receiving end of. And yet we know that this happens all the time. Yeah, and my client didn't take it quite that way, at least, you know, for the first six to nine months that he worked for this gentleman. And he created other relationships for himself. He found a mentor for himself because he, he had his eye on the CEO level, you know, the C-suite. So he found someone else to mentor him and he built other relationships and, you know, got busy doing other things. But what was lost for him and the organization was really a coordination at the level of him and his boss that just didn't happen. Right. Because once those experiences happen over and over again, so now we have a history and I have data points, so I'm not making up stories. I actually have data points. I'm going to look for ways to get my work done without you, around you, with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So they became somewhat irrelevant to each other. The boss became irrelevant to his employee, and his employee's assumption at this point was that he was irrelevant to the boss because the boss never never was there for him or took the time to spend with him. And he never really got good feedback 
because they were always just on the task level of things. Well, and it sounds like they didn't interact enough that the leader could give exactly good feedback. Exactly. But going back to our original thing that we were talking about here is that was an implicit promise that my client was holding his leader to that was not being fulfilled. And it was creating growing distrust of that leader. And to the point where my client didn't want to work for this leader anymore because it was so frustrating for him. The distrust was deep enough that he extended it to all other domains. You know, it was just like, okay, yeah. I don't trust this guy at all, which was a shame because I think his leader was actually a good person, but not necessarily a good leader in this context. So we can see how those implicit promises can make for distrust when they're not fulfilled or alternately, because I think we've both coached people or been in organizations where we could see that the leaders were, whether intentionally or not, fulfilling those implicit promises. And that built a great deal of trust. This is an area that I think leaders and their people, the people who work for them, can pay attention to, to everybody's benefit. Mm -hmm. And again, coming back to what are the conversations we want to have? How do we identify these collective behaviors to the best of our ability? And when we bump into a breakdown or an assessment, have we built trust in our relationship that I could come to you to say, can I speak to you about something? Here's my experience. I'm making this interpretation. I'm sure that's not what you meant, but can we have a conversation about it? Yes. Because I care about our relationship. I want us to build trust. I want us to not be making these assumptions about each other, assessments about each other that may or may not be true. Yeah. I'd rather just come to you. And so we've talked in the previous podcast about that, the building trust before you need the trust to be in place, building trust before you have a difficult conversation that you need to have or a vulnerable request that you need to make for help. This whole idea of the implicit promises that leaders make that they may not even know they're making, the only way to kind of move beyond that, the pitfalls that that can create is those conversations. To that effect or to that point, we would invite you as our listeners to let us know what implicit promises you think leaders make in your organizations to you, or if you're a leader, what implicit promises have you suddenly realized you're being held to that you didn't really know about and that caused issues? We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear mm -hmm. what you think those are. This is such a juicy topic. I love it. So yes, please, we'd love to hear from you. So you can send an email to charles at insightcoaching.com. Or you can reach me at ila, I-L-A, at bigchanging.com. So with that, Ila, thank you very much for another really juicy conversation. Juicy conversation, yeah. Until next time, take care. We'll see you next time. <laughs>